Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The Gospel lesson comes from Mark chapters 9, verses 30 through 37. Please rise for the reading of the Gospel. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it in among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me and welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For our time of children's message today, I'm hoping you'll all help me a little bit with this question about who is wise. I have a couple of questions. Who do you go to when you have a trouble with your computer? You know, this happens to all of us sometimes when things disappear on your computer and you're sure you know exactly where you left it. You know, something with your emails a little, you'll excuse this technical term, wonky. (laughs) It's not exactly the way you wanted it to be. Do you have somebody in your mind that you go to? Okay. Now there might be somebody different to this one. Who do you go to? when you're pretty sure that a tree might fall on your house, okay? The storms have gone by recently, and trees are looking a little iffy. Is it the same person? Maybe it is for you, in which case, great. (laughs) Okay, you have a person in your mind? Good. How about this one? Who do you go to for the stories in your family that happened a couple of generations ago? When you want to find out what happened to your parents or your great aunt, or you want to know why your kids do something that they say happened in the past, who do you go to ask those stories? you have somebody in your mind? Okay. I got one more for you. Who do you go to when somebody responds to you in anger and you didn't expect it at all? Like you were having a conversation. It was pretty even keeled. And anger came out of nowhere. Is it the same person for any of those? Anybody? 
Are any of those people wise? All of them are, right? In different kinds of ways. We're going to talk in a little bit about wisdom. And where does wisdom come from? We find out that wisdom comes not always from age. Sorry about that. Sometimes it does. <laughs> but wisdom is a gift from God. And we ask God to open our hearts to receive wisdom. It doesn't always come in the same areas. <laughs> Let's pray and ask God to help us, shall we? Dear God, open our hearts to receive your wisdom and share it with others that we might follow you more nearly. Amen. For the importance that a heart gives you, I always imagined that your heart, your physical one, would weigh a lot. Like pounds and pounds. I don't know about you, but I remember learning in school that the heart mirrors the size of your fists. And I was flabbergasted, beside myself. Surely, it does change as you grow. It must get bigger, right, your heart? No. Our physical hearts, the organ within your chest, is roughly the size of your fist. Two fists for the adults here among us. It weighs about 7 to 15 ounces. Yes, right? I asked my kids, and they said pounds. It's ounces. Somewhere between the weight of a softball and a soccer ball, or a roll of nickels and a can of diced tomatoes. For the slight size of our hearts, it has a vital impact on the whole body. Cardiac patients, we know some of these, they'll tell us this offhandedly. The heart health affects absolutely everything, from walking to having sex to driving, absolutely everything. When you take care of your physical heart, you know this, I don't need to tell you, your body knows good health. When there are blockages, when there are weaknesses, let's say you have some limitations. Is that fair? The same is true for our faith. During September, we've been in a series of sermons turning this selfie stick on ourselves and examining our discipleship. It's been a check-in, a disciple check-in, to find out what we might see in the mirror of how we reflect the image of God. What we dismiss as undesirable may actually be the way through which God can work. Our dirty hands might be available grace-filled actions of mercy. Our scratchy voices 
may proclaim the prophetic words of the gospel. And this morning, our selfie focuses on that little heart. Hmm. But if you have bitter envy, selfish, ambitious in your heart, don't be boastful. False to the truth. Where there is envy, there may be disorder. But the wisdom from above, God's wisdom, is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without a trace of partiality and hypocrisy. Jenny read that for us from James. When you put it that way, James, who would want to live with a heart of envy or ambition? Of course we choose the other one. There's a story that's told about two shopkeepers who were bitter rivals, and their stores were across the street from one another, and they sat in the doorway keeping track of who had the most customers. If one had a customer, he would smile and triumph <laughs> over the other one. Hmm. And one night, the story goes, an angel appeared to one of the shopkeeper and said, God sent me to teach you a lesson. So God will give you anything, anything you ask for. That's not a bad thing to have happen. But know that whatever you get, your competitor will get twice as much. Ugh. Hmm. What would you like? Would you like wealth? If you ask for it, your rival's getting twice as much. Do you want a long and happy life? It's yours, but the other shopkeep will get to live twice as long. You can be famous. Your children can be famous, whatever you want. But the other one is getting twice as much. The shopkeeper thinks about it for a moment and says, all right, here's my request. Strike me blind in one eye. Of course, friends, this would never be you or me, right? We would never do this. <sighs> Jesus stayed laser-focused. Did you hear it? On teaching the disciples, on the death and resurrection. And the disciples didn't get it. Did you ever wonder why this passage that Jenny read for us didn't get cut from the Bible? With councils and editors, translators and bishops, popes and scribes, why did we keep this one in the Bible? It's not a flattering image of the disciples at all. Surely someone who's been in public relations before for the disciples could have just tidied this one up a little bit. After heartfelt teaching and moving moment, Jesus circles back to the 12. He's been focusing not on death and resurrection, 
theological revolu revolution or not even how it is that they're going to feed people or house them or care for the group. They were talking about who was the best, who was the first, who was the greatest. Just tell me, who's got the best football team? East Stroudsburg or Stroudsburg? Just tell me, who makes the best brownies? Which is the best car manufacturer? What car should I buy for my next car? And Jesus replies with a first table flip. We know about the one later, but this is the first one. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And this little one, the one that has no status at all, this child, that'll be a measure of how much you welcome me and the one who sent me. Where's the wisdom in this? You can be intelligent, you know, without being wise. They're related, intelligence and wisdom for sure, but they're distinct. Intelligence can teach you that tomato is a fruit in botany and it's a vegetable in cuisine. Why does this matter? You all know this one. You make fruit salads, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone include the tomato in their fruit salads. Because we know there's some wisdom there. Intelligence tells us we may have the first right of way at a four-way stop sign if we're the first car to arrive. Wisdom tells us Make sure that all the other cars stop first, even if you are the first one there. Wisdom is grounded in experience and drawing near to God. It tells us slow down and let God's path unfold. Take time to understand and extend a hermeneutic, that's an understanding, of generosity to everyone. God will be with you. Envy goads you on and says, there's some fear you have here. It's been sitting in the shadows, let it front and center. When you settle into sharing something you have, envy says, you deserve it all anyway. When you determine to wait for God's timing, envy says, you can't wait another minute. You and I, we may be suffering from envy when we give compliments that always have the word but in them. I appreciate what you said, but somebody else already said it. We may be suffering from envy when we are better at criticism than praise when we're happy to see public officials caught in sin, when we question the motives of those who are kind to us, when we believe we would have done better if we got the right breaks. In fact, the humorist Irma Bombeck says this, Lord, if you can't make me thin, 
at least make my friends look fat. Ugh. Envy. That blockage doesn't have to be forever. Jesus flips the script, and so does James, and says, we admit it, we confess it, and we draw near to God. Jesus hears this envy of the disciples and reminds them about the child, the needs of the child. James calls the church to peacemaking, reminding them they're not the center of the universe, not even of their own universe. Peace says, while I'm loved and valued, I am best when I'm loving and valuing others. When I act out of respect and hospitality, when I seed the center stage, when I give aid and comfort, when I mentor and teach, when I love those around me, we can make and sow peace. It's work, no doubt. But peace is the opposite of kicking back. That's apathy. When we sow peace, when we bring peace, it's like cool water on a sweltering day. Peace grounds us in wisdom, turning the table on injustice and cutting through the pretense of prejudice. James calls it the harvest of righteousness. This heaviness of heart that doesn't come from heartache that comes from the faithfulness of our relationships, the honoring of our relationship with God, those in faith of our siblings, and those who aren't yet ones we've met. Righteousness says God is the judge of those who are worth loving. Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. Drawing near to God, and we learn from God's heart how to care for one another. We offer our prayers and our actions by loving God and people. And this peace, this joy, is an outcome of that. When we learn to love God, we know this peace. We learn to love like God, and we make this peace. You and I, we learn that our hearts become full, like a sponge that's soaked up. If we're going to draw near to God, that doesn't mean we have the weight or the pain of heartache. It doesn't mean we have to experience suffering. It does mean we're grounded in the wisdom of God when our hearts feel heavy. So who is the greatest? That was the disciples' question, right? We hear the disciples of yesteryear and today look around with thinly veiled envy. Come, Jesus said, be with the unhoused and those who have no social graces, those who have seemingly little to envy and learn how to be at peace. Actively sow it. Let your hearts be filled with ways to plant peace 
in doing this, we draw near and refocus on the ways that are most important and begin to gain wisdom. Come, he says as he puts the child in front of them, you then will find wisdom. This, my friends, is the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.